Hello, everybody. My name is Lon Strohschein, former public company executive turned lifestyle engineer. One year ago, I left my job as a public company executive, and I left without a resume, without another job, without a Rolodex of clients. But I left anyway. I left believing that the best years of my life were in front of me and knowing that they weren't going to be found where I was standing. I left and my mission has become to inspire the lives of a thousand dudes, to inspire the dude I used to be, to go do the things they want to do. My job here is to give you courage to finally act. And it's to remind you that dude, at this stage in life, nobody shows up to do it for you, but I'm here and I'll travel that highway with you. Thanks for being here. Enjoy this episode. We'll see you along the normal 40 highway. Greetings, one and all. Welcome back to Normal 40, the podcast. My name is Adam Eaton. I'm your co-host and your co-pilot on these here journeys. And as always, I am joined by the founder of Normal 40, a dude you need to know, a dude in your corner, and now a best-selling author, Mr. Lon Strohschein. Lon, I usually throw it to you by asking you some form of a you know really insightful question like, how you doing? But instead of that, today I'm going to throw it to you by saying, I just introduced you as a best-selling author. When those words hit your eardrums, what goes through your mind? You know, it's still kind of weird to even here. I've I've said it a few times in calls, or um, you know, just talking to people about the book, and it's it really is kind of weird to even. Say. It does not roll off the tongue. I am a best-selling author of a book called The Trade. I mean, even that sounds kind of kind of bumbly, but no, it's a it's been awesome. I didn't know what to expect. You know, you, you kind of work up to launch day and you've got one of probably 15 or 20 different scenarios in your mind as to how's the day and days and week and weeks going to play out. And we, at the time of our recording this, Adam, we are, uh, we just wrapped up week one and we're still number one on, on the charts we're on and, uh, and the book continues to sell. And it's been, it's been really, it's been, here's been my favorite part. And we'll probably get into this a little bit more. And I didn't expect it is people started sending me text messages. If they have my phone number emails, because everybody's got my email or posting it to LinkedIn, which is super cool. Pictures of them holding the book, pictures of them with the book in the seat next to them on aircraft, pictures of them with their families holding the book and, and talking about the book. And it's the, that has been just probably the single coolest part of this whole thing. Well, we're, yeah, we're going to dive into the book. I got a bunch of questions. So th this this episode is probably going to be more about that process, this book, kind of what you've gotten so far. For those who haven't picked it up yet or thinking about picking it up, I'd love for them to get some insight from you on on why they should do that. But I, I do want to start the top of the show off by letting everybody know. But you know, certainly we here at the Normal Forty Podcast, we are a big budget, high production um, sort of machine, if you will. Uh, and so the, the the noise you hear in the background of Lon, it, we're not piping that in through any sort of uh, our, our typical digital measures. Uh, that's that's actual wind that you're you're hearing behind Lon at times because the video portion of this may may see the light of day at some point in time. And when it does, what you're going to see is Lon sitting in front of uh, what I, as a Floridian, can only assume is some sort of a field of, of, of some sort. I don't know if that's crop behind him. I don't really know what it is. I'm not the best person to answer that question, but the, the, the wind noise that's not piped in. That's not fancy post-production editing here by the normal 40 podcast crew on you're sitting in the middle of what I think is a dirt road on a farm. And do I have that right? You've got it exactly right. I'm, I'm sitting at, if, I did a post uh, probably about a year ago 
Um, and it's called the final mile of a four mile run that I do. And, um, and it's some emblematic of a life, you know, the first mile leaving home, the second mile getting as far away from home as you can, the third mile running about really starting to think about life differently. And then the final mile home. And I, I wrote about being on the final mile. Well, I'm sitting at the half mile mark of that final mile home uh, on the prairie. So what you see is a dirt road indeed. What you see wafting behind me is just uh, prairie grasses. Uh, on the on the side of the road and then what you see off in the deep distance is um, just pastures and I don't think you've got any cornfields in sight but corn and soybean fields and uh, if you look a little further yet so this is home and the wind you hear is the prairie wind so I hope it's not I hope it's not too overbearing um, and this is I'm sitting this setup is like it often is in this high budget production I'm staring into my trunk where I have my computer set up on a couple of pillows and I'm sitting on a cooler. So there you have it, baby. But that's not what we're here for. The the view is pretty spectacular. Well, surprisingly great internet uh, out there in the plains as well. Lon, I'll give you I'll give you mad props for that as well. But again, to your point, that's not what you're here for. Um, and what I want to do, and this is probably very selfish on my part, is I've got just a bunch of questions that I want to ask you about the trade. So for those who aren't are unaware, obviously, Lon's first ever book uh, called The Trade has now been released. It's, it's published. You can get it uh, any place you get your your, your books. Uh, Amazon's a really good place to get it. Obviously, if you haven't had a chance to uh, to look at it yet as well. Um, and so I've Lon, I've got a bunch of questions just about the book that that I want to really get into um, t today. And, and I want to start off with one that I don't know that I ever asked you this question. And I was thinking about it earlier and I kind of thought, shame on me. What what was I thinking? Never asking this question. But let me start with the, the, the first one I had, Lon, which is why did you write this book anyway, man? Like you've you've got so many things going on in your life, right? You've got this this high budget quality podcast. You've got you know a, a burgeoning coaching career. You're obviously a, a, a man uh, on the internet that everyone likes and and, and appreciates and, and posts every day. So I imagine a book took some time, and I'm I'm wondering to myself why would you go down the 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 pain, the struggle, the 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 work of throwing a book together, Lon? So first off, why why write this book? Why write the trade? I decided in 1999, I was, I was 23 or four at the time, and I actually titled that book. I wrote, I had written the first three or four pages, and that's as far as I got. And the title of that book was, I Should Write a Book. And so I put it on the shelf for a good 20 years. Um, and, but more seriously, when, when I launched Normal 40, and like, I, like we've talked about before, Adam, when I left Raven, it wasn't my intent to, to do what I'm doing today. I just left shared somewhat um, emotionally and vulnerably what I, what I had gone through and what led me to that point. And I confessed that I didn't have it figured out yet, but I was going to go figure it out. And when I did that, a different audience and a different world showed up that I didn't expect. And it gave me so that this audience who felt alone and isolated and like they didn't have anyone they could talk to, except for me, all of a sudden, who had come up and was kind of talking, putting the words that they were feeling into their own head and, and let, made, led them to believe that maybe this isn't abnormal. Maybe there isn't a problem. Maybe this is their second half story waking up. And I realized that the, the best way for me to do that probably is to use all of the stories I've, I've created and gathered over the last 15 months of, of Normal 40 and put my story and their stories into a book and walk them through a process that I went through to get clarity on what I want the next 20 to 40 years of my life to look like. And I figured if I could put that in a book and I could put it together in a way 
where dudes could see their own stories in my own and their own stories in other people's stories that they will continue to feel like what they what they're going through is not a problem at all it's an opportunity it's still hard to navigate for sure but that they've got choices and they've got options but how to start attacking them i I just felt like the best way i could do that is to walk them through a succinct well-written um to the point book that pulls them through their own story and how it can look and so i sat down and i just decided i'm i'm going to do that and i'm if I'm being really honest, Adam, I am super proud of this book. I am super proud. I'm proud of what it's already done. Um, I get emotional about the stories I hear because it's doing what I wanted it to do. It's helping people prioritize and refocus and rethink the next decade and decades of their life. And it's given them hope that, that they can set forth on a path that's different than what it's been and more of what they want. I'm going to butcher this, uh, this quote, but, uh, something that I, I, I heard a long time ago, the author Kurt Vonnegut often said, write for one person, write a book, write for one person. Like you're talking to one person specifically. If you think about the, the context of the trade in, in that, in that sentiment, who, who are you writing to? Who was, who was this? Are we, were you picturing somebody, some, you know, and again, it's probably a, a amalgamation of people, right? But were you picturing one person or somebody as you were sitting down, pecking the keyboard and, and, and putting your blood, sweat and tears into what now became the trade? Absolutely. And the person I was channeling was me in 2019. Um, and, and my, the person I talked to is very, very well identified in, in my writing and who I write to. Um, and it's, it's the provider, it's a family provider. And it's, it's the individual who's kind of lived life, right. Lived life by the book, done the things that they were supposed to do. Um, and they've climbed and grown and sacrificed and had success and has had more success. If they really look back upon their last five to 10 years, they've had more success in that stretch of time than they thought possible for them five and 10 years ago. They're the people who have families that have grown up or are growing up. And they're the people who have um, really built the sterling reputation in the community and in their home and in their, and of themselves for who they are and where they're going. But they're also the people through all of their success have kind of worked themselves into this awkward place where they don't have options. They don't feel like they've got the ability to walk away from what they've created. And they don't have the ability to leave the team that they've put together. And they don't know who they're going to be if they did do that. And they've got to this point where they've, they've, they've done everything that they can do for the job they have. They, and they just don't know. So, and, and they know that they can, they can stick around and continue to do good work. But yet at the same time that they know that their best days are here, the best days of their life are on them. They're living them. These are the days. And they probably aren't best spent where their feet are, but they don't know how to move out of it. So that's the individual. And just imagine the angst that that individual feels where they've, they've done so well, they've built the image, they've got the car, they've got the house, they've got the lifestyle, they've got everything they shot for. And at the end of the day, or on a Sunday night, they kind of get to this place where like, they just don't feel like they're where they're supposed to be, where they're called to be, where they should be. And they don't know what to do about it. And that's, it's the person I talk to. And I try to shock them into, into a couple things. One, you're not alone. This is normal. This is what most people go through. Two, you've got to do something about this. 
You can tolerate another yesterday, or you can do something and start creating a new future. And that sounds easy, and I get it, and it's hard as hell, but you still have to do it. It doesn't get easier. And so that's, that's my person. And they're at this intersection of, do I stay or do I go? I know I want to go. I don't know where I'm going to go and what I'm going to do, but I know that I'll regret it if I stay. One thing I know about you is that everything you do is intentional. Uh, everything you do is, is intentional. You, you, you live and act with purpose um, and intent. And, and I want to talk about the name of the book, The Trade, and the concept of The Trade. We've talked about that word. If you've listened to past episodes of, the, of this podcast, you've heard that word come up a, a ton of times. And, and I want to put it in, in a bit of a context really quickly, Lana, and, and kind of get back to you. So for those out there, I don't know who is, who's out there as a sports fan, but a, a trade in, in sports is pretty, is pretty common, pretty typical. Um, and I think back, Lon, to a, a, an old uh, documentary film I, I saw um, called The King's Ransom. And it's a, a film about Wayne Gretzky, the great hockey player who played in Edmonton, uh, Canada, which is a small town, and they love their hockey team. And he was their favorite son. And he gets traded to the Los Angeles Kings, a, a deal that changes the course of probably NHL history. And, and the film was a lot about the people in Edmonton and how they feel about it. And you recognize that sometimes making a trade is really, really, really hard. It really hurts. It can have an impact on a lot of different people. It's not just a simple swap for swap. There's, there's different things involved with that. And I, and I use that backdrop because when you, when you talk about the trade, I think it's also somewhat in that context, right? It's not an easy one-for-one -one transaction. It's not going to be, you know, pick up on day one, you know, change on day two. So let me understand from your perspective why you use the word the trade what it really means to you. I, I know what a trade is, but what, what does that term truly, truly mean? And why was that the right title for this book? When I started writing this book, I didn't know what I was going to call it, Adam. I didn't have a title. In fact, it was titled probably, um, I was probably 40 to 50% through writing the book, but I knew when it found me. And I told Jeremy, uh, who published the book with me, I told him when, I, when the name finds me, I'll know it and I'll know it immediately. Um, and so let me set, I'll set up the story with that. Um, usually what happens is you go through a, a successful, a successful career up until let's say age 50. Um, you set out, you, you go to college and you make a bunch of decisions on your own. And it's the first time in your life where you get to really start making decisions on your own. Up until that point, you're living with your parents. You, you, you inherit all of the things that the house has given you. It's the it's it's whether they there were drugs and alcohol in the house or not, whether your parents were divorced or they stayed married, whether or not um, their th what their political affiliation was, if there was one, if they worked days or nights, if you you know income threshold, all of that stuff is just stuff you didn't do to earn. It was you just inherited it, and some some inheritances were wonderful, and some were horseshit. And there's nothing you can do to, to influence that. It's just based on where you happen to be born. And then you hit this phase of your life that I call endowment. And that's the next roughly 20 to 25 years of your life where you're going and doing your thing and you're climbing and growing. And these are the decisions and the things that you do based on your own decisions. And, and that's, you get good grades, you get a job, you get out of, you, you pick a major, you set down this path. And you start checking the boxes of things that you're supposed to do to be to, to feel successful. You get married, you search family, and you, and you start growing and, and climbing. And along that way, things show up 
and they give you opportunities. Now, you create opportunities for yourself based on a whole bunch of your own decisions. But by and large, you can identify you, Adam, and me. I can identify by name the individuals who showed up and helped me. They were kind of a, a, a gift on my journey. They came along, they saw my potential, and they took bets on me. And I've got the name of four individuals who have taken bets on me along the way. And they got me to this point. And those were gifts of people. Now, they were, those gifts were born out of my competence and my work ethic and my ability to see the big picture and all the things. But the, the gift was these people showing up and helping me in my journey. And, I, and so that is the backdrop. But there's a point in life where you get to normal 40, this normal 40 feeling that we've all talked about. I'm not going to restate what that is, where you believe there's something more and you're not sure it's where your feet are and you're not sure you can get it from the job you've got. And you know that, damn it, you've got something to give. There's something bigger. There's something in you and you don't know how to bust it out of you. You realize that nobody shows up and gifts you that answer. It's not free. It's not somebody who comes and says, oh, because of these skills, here's where you're best suited. Here's what's inside of you, Adam. Here's what's inside of you, Lon. Here's what you're called to do next with all the skills you've got. Nobody shows up and gives you that gift. Nobody's there to do that. And it's not free. It's hard fought and wrestled. You've got to go relearn who you are. You've got to go rediscover what you're willing to give up to go chase who you are going to be. And you've got to work and toil and struggle and test and explore and do all of the things to get any, any chance of having clarity of what the rest of your life can look like. And then when you discover it, guess what? You got to give something up. You got to give up an image. You got to give up pay. You got to give up a job. You got to give up a team. And you've got to trade it. You've got to give it up and trade it for who you want to be next. Whether it's a new job in the same company, it's still a trade. It's a, it's a similar job in a different company, a trade. A different job in a, in a completely different industry or starting your own thing or retiring from being a physician or an accountant or an attorney to go starting a nonprofit, whatever. It's a trade. And you lay it down. You take a whole bunch with you, all of your skills and all of your goodness. You, you keep all that, but your image is a trade. And it's not free and it's no longer a gift. So the, the, the term trade is an intentional term that when you think it's hard, there's one more hard thing. There's one more hard step. And that is you actually have to trade something to become who you're capable of being. Yeah. Again, I think it's so important when you think about that word, you know, there can be a lot of positive connotations and, and it's true, but there's also, there's pain and, and there could be heartache and there could be suffering and there could be tough decisions and, you know, hurt emotions and other people who have feelings about it. Right. I mean, all of that comes with a trade, just like in a sports transaction, there's, it's not as simple as it, on day one, I do this and day two, do that. There's just so much that comes with that. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. But, you know, I think a lot of us kind of wait around for the gift, kind of wait around for, well, maybe I'll, you know, I'm, I'm at this high level. And maybe I'm maxed out at this company, but maybe some come, somebody will come and find me. I really think that's why people are lingering around on LinkedIn in a bunch of cases. Hmm. They're there. And by the way, I know this because confession time, that was me. I mean, I, I wore my resume out there. Well, you know, I, I wasn't looking to leave. I wasn't actively applying, but maybe there was another gift. Maybe somebody else, like it happened earlier in my life, there was another gift and somebody was going to come and see who I was and what I was capable of and what I'd achieved. And they were going to pluck me out and give me that next that next opportunity somewhere else 
And what I discovered was I was sick of waiting. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I wouldn't have made the trade, I was going to continue to wait. Um, and so I made the trade, not knowing, not knowing yet what the other side of the trade was going to look like. But I made the trade anyway, knowing once I was setting down that path, I didn't have a choice. I, and I would figure it out. God damn it. I would figure it out. And everybody, whoever, who's ever had this, this is hitting, I want you to know two things, two things. If you're listening to this and you've listened to other podcasts and you're thinking about buying the book and this is resonating, you are ready. You are ready. And um, the only one you have to convince yourself yet that you are ready is yourself. And it's just a mind shift. And the moment you take one action, the, the re- confessing you're ready is huge. You wake up, you stand up in this moment, you shut this podcast off and you say, God damn it, I'm ready. That son of a bitch was right. I am ready. Then the next thing you do is you find someone and you talk to them about it. It can be me, Adam, you'd take a call. Probably anybody in the normal 40 group would take a Find a friend and tell them what you're feeling. You don't have to know what you're going to do. You just have to tell them what you're feeling. And in that moment, you've started down a new path. You've moved, you've, you've started down a new path because now it's not just in your head and you'd be amazed at what that does. Step one, tell a friend you love. And guess what you're going to hear? I kind of feel the same way. I kind of feel the same way. I'm feeling the same thing. What are you thinking about doing? It happens again and again. It starts out as this, what feels like this awkward conversation. And what it turns into is this awesome, fantastic life altering conversation with someone who probably feels very similar to how you feel. Yeah, I mean, that's such powerful uh, and great advice. I, I don't know how to follow that up with with anything even wiser than that, Lon. So so let me let me pivot back uh, to, to the trade in the book uh, and, and something you did. And I was fortunate enough to, to be a part of this is you lent out copies of the book. I think about 40 people or so got sort of a, a pretty advanced copy, got a chance to read the trade. Um, and a lot of people had some very, very positive comments. I, I think you were tracking the metrics on this, right? Like 38 of 40 people responded back or something like that, right? Which is obviously overwhelmingly positive as, as it should be. And so you're probably feeling good, right? But the night before the book launches, when you know it's going to hit the masses, you know it's going to hit more than 40, right? 40 times 40, right, at that point. What emotions go through your mind? What, 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 what thoughts and feelings kind of hit you as you know, I'm going to go to sleep tonight and tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to have a book that the entire world has the ability to access, that people I've never met and who don't know me are going to read and judge and use and chronicle and, and support or ridicule. Take me through sort of those emotions as your head hit the pillow the night before the trade launches. I mean, it's probably going to sound corny, but it's 100% true. I, my wife and I, Mindy and I talked about this. She asked how I was feeling the night before. And I said, you know what, babe? I'm just curious. I'm just absolutely beside myself curious as to what my life is going to look like a week later, which is today, a month later, and a year from now, after the trade has, has done its thing after it's been, you know, born, as I said, after it's been birthed and it's, and it's just out there doing its thing. And, and that was sincere. I, d- I didn't know. I mean, I, I literally went to bed and I'm like, there's a chance, however ridiculous it is, there's a chance that somebody somewhere gets a copy of this. Someone, someone somewhere in high places gets a copy of this. And I get a uh, call from, you know, you name it. I don't know. Insert name of crazy reader here. And it 
springs me off in one direction that I can't even possibly fathom. And then there's the other extreme of it doesn't sell. Nobody buys it. Nobody shows up. And it just kind of sits on a sits on a shelf of my friends and a few of my family members. And, and that's as far as it goes. And um, and I literally went to bed not knowing which direction it was going to go. And I was totally at peace with that. I was totally at peace with that. Um, and I'll, I'll continue with that story, but I want to insert another story here. In the process of writing the trade towards the end, uh, I got the opportunity to interview General Stan McChrystal, who endorsed my book. And that is going to, that will be a future podcast that will drop in the next few weeks here, uh, foreshadow alert for anybody listening. Um, and General McChrystal asked me a, a brilliant question. He said, Lon, is this the best work you could have done? Point blank. Ask me, staring at me in the streets. Is, is this the best work you could have done? And I was without hesitation able to look him in the face and said, you know, it is for where I'm at this point in my life. This is the best piece of work I have ever created. And I am proud to have my name on it. And even if it hits the low side of my expectation or what anyone's expectation of the book is, I'm proud of it. Because even if it only helps the 40 people who have already read it, it's done its thing. And if it goes the other way and it's this crazy wild upside i'm proud of that too as long as it's inspiring people to change their lives for for the better i'm proud of that too and and so that it was with that reflection with his help a little bit on just accepting what the book does it is my best work it is the best work i was capable of writing when i published it and i really believe it's going to help people so now fast forward how my how that how am i feeling since then i haven't been called by oprah I haven't been courted by, you know, Tony Robbins. Uh, you know, I don't know that I would say I've got anybody who's who's offering me a Netflix series, <laughs> which was never the never the intent. But the point of the matter is every day I get the most heartfelt emails from people I didn't know would ever buy my book. I didn't know they would ever have a connection to me. And they show up and they give me they they get, they tell me thank you. And that's why I wrote the book is to help people see themselves and who they are to discover who they're capable of being. And I hope that someday along the way, they give normal 40 a note of thanks. Yeah. I want to get into that for a second. So imagine for a second, uh, anybody in, in the, in the world a, a faceless person who has read your book, somebody you probably don't even really know, right? A faceless person has read your book and they reach out to you and they say, Lon, I read your book and it blank. Fill in the blank for me. What do you want to hear there? I read your book and it blank. What would what would you want to hear in that blank that you would walk away from that conversation going, man, I feel really good about this? It changed how I want to live the next 20 years of my life. I read your book and it's changed how I want to live the next 20 years of my life. And I, for the first time, feel like I've got the courage to go do this. And those are the two things. Because it's not, you're not going to start with confidence. Everybody wants to start the trade with confidence. I did. Shit, who doesn't? Who doesn't want to know black and white what the trade is? How exactly how it's going to turn out? You want the confidence and you're not going to get it. You're not going to start this journey with confidence. You're going to start it with your courage. And what I, my hope is, is this book gives you a community. It gives you hope. It shows you it's possible. And it gives you the courage to go do it. And uh, that, that, would be what I would hope people say. 
Let's talk about what this book is not, right? Because I, I think, you know, it, when anytime you write something like this, I, I think there's there's probably an expectation that, that this book is, you know, is something, right? What is this book not? What is the trade not for people who are still thinking about purchasing it? Again, we talk about what it is. What isn't it, Lon? What, what do you not want this book to be? It's not your answers. The book doesn't have your answers. You know, I, I don't, I, and people who hire me to coach them, I'm like, I don't have your answers, man. I don't want your answers. You don't have my answers either. That isn't what this book is for. It isn't what I do. And it's not what I would sell. I'm not selling anybody's answers. I'm selling questions and I'm spent, I'm selling perspective. And what I want, what I want the book to be is a book that challenges what you're capable of being and how you're feeling about things. And I want you to, think through uh, how your life could be different and fast forward to 10 and 20 years from now and rewind as to what you're capable of being. And that's what I want the book to do. Um, and, uh, but what the book isn't, isn't a bunch of answers. If you're this, you should do this. And if you like this, you should do that. No, 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 no. That's not what the book is. So don't buy the book if, that's, if you're looking for your answers. If you're looking for a place to start and you're looking for the courage and you're looking for some perspective on how a couple people have done it, this is a book for you. And the other thing it's not, I want to, this is important. This isn't a book of 50 examples. You know, a lot of people, I could have made this book a 300 page book by writing example after example, after example, to make, make a point. This book is short and sweet, man. 170 pages. Most people knock it out in an afternoon because once they get into it, they can't put it down. That's what I've been hearing. And so it's not this thing you got to come back to again and again and again to get through. You're going to get through it in a day if you, on a flight in some cases, and this book is that. It's something you can go back to for the courage again and again and again. Yeah, let's talk about the responses you get. I, I know uh, one of the things that you say a lot, and I know, I think people know this, but I'll, I'll clue them in. It's a sincere uh, message when Lon says that his goal is just to get a thousand notes of thank you, a thousand notes of gratitude. I know people probably hear that and maybe they'll roll their eyes and go, yeah, sure, whatever. That's a sincere goal of Lon's. I can, I can, I can promise and assure all of you of that. So I'm assuming as, as the book has come out, you've gotten some notes, you've gotten some, some feedback, and I'd love for you, if you will, share what you've, what you've received and sort of how, how that, how that's made you feel. I mean, I know there's probably a ton, so you want to aggregate them together if there's one that stands out, but what, what kind of feedback have you been getting? What kind of notes have you been getting um, from, from the folks who've had a chance to, to read the trade so far? I'll give you a handful of examples. I heard from a, a gent in Australia who was beside himself um, excited and I would say even emotional with how it allowed him for the first time to do two things. One, understand himself better just because there's a community and two, to feel good about some of the trades he's already made and is making. And, and so that was, that was really, really um, impactful to me. Another one is from somebody who's younger um, in, in their mid thirties. And he got through about chapter seven and he got to the box uh, box is a chapter we talk about how you, know, how you how you get locked into this position you're in and where you feel like you have no choices. And uh, and it's a really, really important ingredient of understanding what normal 40 is. And he got to that chapter and he he didn't even finish the book and he plucked out a note. And he's like, I don't know how you did it, but you absolutely I'm I he said, when I read this, I feel like I wrote it. It is you are so describing what I'm going through. And it is so. um 
satisfying and gratifying and helpful to know that I'm not alone and I can't wait to finish the book. Um, another one, I write a chapter, chapter 12 is about my daughter and it's about a situation I didn't ever expect to, to talk about outside of the walls of my own home. But I felt that if, if, we're, if this is going to be an authentic book that's really written to help people where they are, to meet them exactly where they're at in their life and to give them not the answers, but to give them the questions and the perspective that they need to best navigate. And if they can use my misgivings and my missteps to do that, I had to include the chapter. And it was about a struggle about the clues I was missing about my daughter's mental health in our own home while I was being a busy executive instead of a present dad. And that chapter, probably more than any, while it's a business book for people, that chapter more than any from a family perspective has rattled more people and I get more notes on that. And so many people find me in the book. Now they've got a community where parents can talk about that. And that's super rewarding. And there's one more, and this one's fresh. It happened um, yesterday. I arrived at the farm and if you're watching this and you can hear four wheelers, my kids are going by in four wheelers. That's you're going by from time to time. Um, and, uh, and I'm on a dirt road and you should go watch this on YouTube. We'll put it up, but I'm sitting on the prairie and I came to the farm yesterday. And on the very last page of the book, I, I talk about what my mission is. And, and it really is to inspire the lives of a thousand people to live their second half story. That's it. That is my mission. And, and my metric is to get a thousand notes of thanks, to get an email, to have somebody do a post, to, to go to my testimonials page and actually write one, leave a testimony on the book, or to actually write me a note. And I put that in the last page of the book. I'm like, if that is my mission, and if you feel compelled to leave a note to me for that, to help me get to a thousand, here's where you can do that. And I leave a, I leave a web address, but then I also leave the physical address. I leave the physical address to the farm in the last page of the book. If you want to drop me a note, um, you can drop me a note here. And when I arrived at the farm yesterday, in the mailbox was my first note from Jessica, by the way, who might be listening. I got it. I sat down in the, in the chair in the farm and I stared at this letter and I'm like, holy shit. Holy shit. My little book and my little story that I wrote in my house with my family and on a, on a beach condo when I wanted to go channel myself being lonely and alone to really, really dig deep into what I was feeling and the emotions and the process. All of those words that I put together and all my life experience that I crammed into this little book that I hope will help people, I put on the last page that, hey, if this helped you in any way, you can write me a note. And then I traveled 200 miles to our family farm and in my mailbox, coming full circle, was a note from someone who said the nicest things about how the trade showed up for them, how the book showed up, a normal 40 has been helpful, and they just said thank you. And I'm telling you, Adam, if I don't sell another goddamn book, I've done my mission, and that was worth it. And that all happened in the last few hours of being here at the farm. And so uh, thank you for writing that note, everyone. But the one that arrived in the mailbox, that's what I'm keeping forever. I suspect you're going to sell another book, Lon, and I suspect you're going to sell hopefully a, a, a bunch of, of more books. But um, I said off the top, you were a, a best-selling author. Um, tell us more about that, how that's kind of hit you, where you've seen the most traction from the book. And, and when people now say to you that you're a best-selling author, tell me more about how you've sort of um, digested that, that part of the story. Well, it's flattering and it's an honor. I'm, I just... 
and it hasn't changed one bit of who I am. Here, here's the interesting thing, probably the, the uh, thing that where it all really became real. I told one story about the story uh, that of getting the card in the mail. But the other one was at my book signing on launch day. And people showing up who I had never met. And clearly they're in my own community because that's where you do book signings is in your home community. Um, and so they had to come there. They hadn't, you know, it just launched an Amazon that day. So they had to come get the book. And people I didn't know in incredibly impressive places. Of course, people like family and friends showed up, but then other people I'd never met showed up. And before they'd read the book, they told me how Normal 40 had impacted them. They told me how excited they were to read the book. And they were super excited to have me sign a book to them. And it's flattering and awesome. And if I'm a writer and I want personal connection, so of course I, I love to do it. But I'll, I'm, if I'm being really honest, Adam, people who seek me out to get a personal, personally signed copy of the book, probably one of the coolest things ever. I'll warn you, if I do a book signing and you come to it, pack your patience because I don't write just, hey, thanks for being here I, I jot a note. <laughs> it probably annoys people a little bit. You're gonna get you're gonna get more than a canned verbiage here. But um, so how's it hitting me, Adam? I still with curiosity. I'd love to stay a bestseller. I'd love to stay a number one bestseller because that just helps. The reason to be a bestseller isn't for me isn't for to put it on my LinkedIn profile. In fact, I haven't even put it on my LinkedIn profile yet. The thing, the reason to stay a bestseller is that's where Amazon promotes you. That's the natural algorithm that helps that helps the trade relentlessly reach the next person. And so the reason for me to want to stay number one is that it tricks the algorithm and it makes it easier for the trade to find the next person who needs it. That's the driver. Uh, way more than way more than a, a marketing piece for me. It just helps sell the. It helps get the next book to the next person who doesn't even know they need it who feels alone, who's frustrated, because the best days are in front of them and they don't think they've got any options. That's who, that's why remaining number one is important. All right, long preamble coming to this question. I think one of the things that uh, interviewing 101 that I try to always do is, uh, is I try to ask questions that I don't know the answer to. A lot of people always say, ask a question you know the answer to. I think what I try to do with Lana is ask a question I don't know the answer to. And so I'm going to ask you, I think, maybe what the simplest question is. And I don't think I know the answer. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. But I'm, I, I honestly am not confident that I do. So the simplest question, the shortest question I'll ask you throughout this entire episode is, is simply this. What's next? I don't know. I don't know. I, my wife and I took a walk this morning, in fact, on this road. And, she, and we talk about that. Um, and everybody, uh, everybody thinks that what I'm doing has a has a plan that I'm not sharing. Um, so what is next? Like if I had to absolutely paint you a picture of, of what is next in two and three and four years, and this book was just a cog in the wheel, I can't tell you. But I can tell you what I want, what I want. Um, and, and it's not, it's just the ingredients of what I want. I really believe that there, that everyone goes through normal 40. I believe that everyone in their lifetime, when they're 80 and they're looking back upon their life, everyone goes through normal 40. I believe it in my heart. And I tell a story in the book about my dad's normal 40 moment when he was 46 and I was 10. And I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know it when semis came down the hill to start taking, taking our farm away. 
that it was my dad's normal 40 moment, but it was. And it wasn't until I was much older that I realized, holy shit, my dad had a normal 40 moment in the driveway of the farm I was born in, the farm I still go home to. He had his normal 40 moment. I just didn't realize it at 10 or 20 or 30. But by the time I got to my mid 40s, I started to feel it. And by the time I was 46, I was having it. Everyone has a normal 40 moment. And, and I believe that nobody talks about it. And because nobody talks about it, we have normal 40 mess ups and, and problems that we, that we create for ourselves. And I'm trying, to, I'm trying to stave those off. And so what I want, what I want the ingredient to be is that normal 40 to become more normal. What I love people when they write to me or they put posts out there and they use the phrase, my normal 40 moment. Yeah, goddamn right. You had one. I did too. And Adam, you have too. And if you haven't, you're having one. And if you haven't, you're going to, I promise you, it's just how it is. And so what do I, the ingredients are, I want normal 40 to grow out of this little thing into something that's way bigger than this podcast, way bigger than me. And it just continues to become its own thing where it's a community where people can show up and help one another. So that's one thing I want. The second thing I want is I want to get to the, what I believe in my own, my own sense is three to 5% of CEOs who really, really, really care about their people more than the profit. Um, and, I, and companies survive by focusing on profit. I'm not trying to be all utopian and stupid about, you know, all, just thinking about profit is stupid. No, not thinking about profit is stupid. You have to think about profit. But you can think about profit and people. And what if, what if there was a movement inside of companies whereby they cared so much about their profit and their people that they were going to continue to be profitable. But when your work there was done, when you'd put in eight years, 10 years, 20 years, eight months for that matter, but you've put in your time and you feel like you've given everything you can give to that company. And they've, they've given you everything that you deserve along the way. And you get to that point where your work there is done. You, can, you can't take any more from them. You can't learn any more there. And you can't give any more to them. You've given them everything you've got to that point. And you feel something more that if that same company would say, hey, I get it. How do we help you find what's next? How do we help you transition? And if it's not with our company, what company is it? And if it's not with a company, where is it? How do we help you with that? How do we help you finish well here so that we can help pull the next person up into that role? I think if a company's playing the long game with people like that, these are the people who are going to have a waiting list of the world's best and brightest to get into that company because they'll know they'll come in and give their best. They'll put in all the effort and they'll help this company make wild, be wildly successful and profitable. And when their work there is done, that company is going to help them figure out what's next. If there's a CEO who wants to hear a guy stand in front of them and deliver a message that will absolutely melt them with real stories from 437 people who have told me exactly what they're feeling, I'll tell you that story. I'll give you their words and I'll tell you exactly what you can do to build that culture. If you want, if you want, if you want. So what does that mean? Maybe I'm on a stage somewhere telling that story. And then there's one more. That same story. I believe, I believe that the biggest both obstacle or opportunity here in the, in the process you're going to go through in normal 40 is the financials. And Adam, you and I have talked about that. It always starts with financials. It always starts with financials. Yeah, you can want to do something else, but how do I afford my mortgage? How do I afford my car? You get it. It's, it's the financials always. 
And who do you go to to talk about your financials? Well, it's your financial planner. And, and I believe that there's, this gets to be my story and there's going to be people who love it and people who hate it. And I don't care. This is my story. I believe there are financial planners who have your best interest in heart. And when you come to them and say, Hey, I, I'm, I'm done. I can't, I want to take a piece of my savings that I've put away that I thought I would use in 20 years. I want to take a piece of that. And I want to take it out of this fund, this account that you've been managing for me. And I want to put it over in the bet on me fund. baby. I want to, I want a normal 40 fund and it's the bet on me. And I'm going to give myself a year or two years. And I'm going to take 10% of my net worth and Holy shit, we're going to do this. I'm not, and once you move it, once you take it out of retirement and you put a new name on it, it's not your retirement fund anymore, man. It's your, it is your let's bet on me fund. And it empowers you. It is, it's empowering. And I believe that there's some financial planners who would eat that up part of that and help people reason that through and think about it. And I think that there's some financial planners and I'm going to say this, I think there's no, let me say it like this. I think that financial planners think their job is to put, help you see how much wealth you can have at this ridiculous future state of your life. So if you're 45, they put numbers in front of you that by the age time you're 65 or 75 or 85, if you continue to save, you continue to live in this lifestyle, here's how much money you're going to have. And let me translate that. Here's how much money you're going to have when you die. And I think that's, they do the Monte Carlos, they do, hey, over the 50 year history of the, of the S&P 500, if you invest this and you get the average return, here's how much money. And that's great. That's fine. But it doesn't do anything. You're focused on the wrong thing, man. If your financial planner is giving you that number, how much money you're going to have when you die, eventually you're going to die with something you didn't need. And you're going to wish that you had the experiences that that same financial planner didn't bother to ask you to think about. So I want where do I think this book should land? I think every financial planner who gives a shit about how people, the life they're actually living, not how much money they can make, which by the way, the financial planner makes 1% of everything you save anyway. So they're incentivized to maybe not be as helpful on the front end. The financial planners who care about how you're living your life today should all be handing this book out. And it will drive better conversations. When you come in for your annual review, the conversations and the questions you're going to have for your financial planner will be totally different. And if you are really a financial planner that really wants to have those conversations, that really wants to, hey, you've got, you've got enough to bet on yourself. You want to give it a roll. Who knows if it's going to work or not? Financial planner doesn't have to guarantee that. But I believe that there again, going back to your question, Adam, you just said, what's next? I believe what's next is this book becomes something that creates a different conversation around kitchen tables, conversation starter. That's what my wife calls it. It's a conversation starters for marriages. It's a conversation starter within your own head for the second half of your life. And it's a conversation starter between you and your financial planner on what your options are really. That's a, that's a really insightful answer, Lon. And, and obviously an exciting answer. You think about all the possibilities of where, to your point, you sat down in 1999 and said, you're going to write a book and to sit here in 2023. And, and that spider web of possibilities is now not only uh, formed, but uh, is taking shape by the day. 
um, that that's certainly something that's really cool. One other thing that you have to do as a good podcast uh, host producer is know when it's when it's time. And, and to Lon, he mentioned this earlier. Um, while we, he and I have been recording, I've seen at least two or three times some sort of an off-road vehicle has has passed him uh, on the dirt road there. And I only picture somebody on that off-road vehicle turns around and says, "Mom, Uncle Lon's talking into the trunk again." And so I, I want to make sure that we're being mindful of uh, of, of the time that we spend here, Lon, and uh, and ensuring that your family does not continue. You to, to call authorities and wonder why you're speaking into the trunk of a vehicle. Um, and so, so to wrap this, um, tell everybody out there more about um, where they can find the trade, A, and then B, where and how they can consume more about Normal 40. Because if you just found Normal 40 because of the trade, if you got to that LinkedIn uh, you know, algorithm one day and maybe you got to that Amazon algorithm and you see this trade and you picked it up and you read it and you're like, what's this all about? You're missing a whole lot, Lon. So fill everybody in on, on, on where they can get the trade and then where they can digest other uh, information and content from the Normal 40 community. The easiest place to get the trade is on Amazon. Um, you just go to Amazon, type in the trade, and and uh, and I'll come up. And that's the easiest place. I also offer it on the website. If you want a hardcover, signed cover that, uh, you know, I, I'll send them out once a week. I'll, I'll get my collection. I'll send them out. There's a place on my website, normal40.com. On the top, the trade is up there. Click on that. There's a place to do that. And I would I would love to do that. Um, and so know that that's an option. Those are the two places you can that are that are best to get the trade. Um, other places where you can do what's next. And there's there's a couple of them. One is also on Amazon. I've got a planner, Normal 40 planner. Um, you can grab that. Just type in Normal 40, the planner. And that is the thing that's going to get you starting to dream. This was a tool I really used in 2019 when I couldn't figure out when I was trying to figure out, look, I was a public company executive at the time. I was using it to do that. So it's 50%. Hey, here's my day job and I'm going to do the best I can. But during that day job, what am I dreaming about? What am I thinking about? What am I, what am I wondering about? What am I daydreaming about? And it asks you these little kind of questions that you can do at the end of the day or the start of the day to kind of just capture. And if, as you do that over this a series of months, you're gonna, it's going to start delivering you some, some answers. So just know that that's out there. But the other place that I found has become this community that I, I knew was going to really come into its own is the Insider. And for $25 a month, you've got access to me a few times a month, uh, not, not necessarily one-on-one, but one-on-several, where we come in and a couple times a month we have cohort calls. And I, my aim is to make that the best $25 a month you could possibly spend. And what you're going to have is access to me. You're going to have access to a community of people who are right where you're at. You're going to hear the stories. We're going to do real coaching in there. And if you've got something you want to talk about and ramble on, bring it up. And, it, and lives are really changing in there. It's not intimate one-on-one. That's a vintage one. That's something you can also check out. But uh, this is a great place to get started. It's just month to month. You come in, you spend 25 bucks. If it's not for you, fine. I don't lock you in. Uh, I, I really want it to make it worth your while. So you can find that under um, community on normal40.com and, and hop in there and find us. And I still, one more thing, Adam, you said something earlier. I, um, you, you commented on doing, doing for one what you would do for many. And that is what my free rambles are. I, uh, I do free rambles because it's the best tool I have to do for one one-on-one with somebody who needs it. If, they, if they've gone all the way to the point of finding me, reading what we're doing, getting comfortable with the normal 40, 
scheduling a call with a dude they've never met, waiting usually three, four, five, six weeks to get on the call, and then they show up for it. Um, that is me doing for one that I hope someday I can do for many. And I'm going to continue to do that. So if that's interesting to you, sign up for a ramble. If you, do, if, if you don't have time to wait, there's a paid version too. And that's usually two or three days out versus a free one. That's usually several weeks out, but man, that's where I show up. And then this podcast, dude, and this podcast exists because of you. And that is the truth, uh, Adam. So that's another place where I, I love it when people show up and share this podcast. You got a lot of great things happening uh, in and around uh, Norma 40. Alana, I know you're, you're certainly a, a busy man with a lot of different things on, on your mind. Um, and, uh, and, and I know there's one more thing you, you also want to share with the group as well. It's, it's a surprise thing about the book. You know, Adam, you and I have talked a lot uh, in probably every episode about how hard it is for dudes, men and women, dudes who are right here, to feel like they can comment, like, and participate in a conversation in a way that others could see. And I get that. You can't leave your DNA uh, all over a post that might say, hey, if you're not living your best life, you should. And I get that. But the funny thing about this podcast is that this is their ability. You can share this podcast with people and it kind of releases that pressure. And, and so this podcast is a tool and a way to do that. And I hope people do that. But this book, man, what I've discovered about this book is that it is easy for somebody in their normal 40 to say, hey, here's a dude I've been following. Here's a guy who's an executive and left. Check out his story. Here's a guy who's a dad who has a story about his daughter. Here's a guy who uh, had an awkward conversation with, with his dad when his dad went broke uh, in the 1980s. It's not about quitting. It's a book about starting. And it's a book that you can share without feeling like you've divulged anything about yourself. And so what I, and it's been an accident. That isn't why I wrote the book, but it's been so fun that this is the thing people can share. This is the book you can post about and say, hey, I read this book and it was awesome. You should read it too. Because nobody's going to look at it and assume that you're anything other than somebody who's seeking to have more wisdom. And, uh, and I just love that aspect of the book. So I'd encourage you to, for those of you who read it, if you can share it, post about it, share a picture of yourself, there's nothing more helpful to me. Yep, the notes and cards are nice and they make me feel really good. But if you want to help me relentlessly reach the next guy or gal or person, post about it. Say, I read the book and it helped that is spectacular. For those of you out there who did not think that uh, the man sitting across from me, Mr. Lon Strohstein, was passionate about what he does, uh, the last 50 plus minutes, I think, have certainly uh, shown you uh, that you are incorrect. This is a man that uh, is passionately on this journey and uh, and invites all of you to join him, uh, lock arms and be a part of his community. He mentioned all the different places that you can reach uh, this group. This podcast is one. The book is another. LinkedIn's another. Get involved in all those in whatever fashion you're comfortable with. Share with whoever is in your life that you think could use the same information uh, and and do us one more thing. Just keep showing up, man. Keep showing up. If, if today is not the day for the trade, if tomorrow is not the day for the trade, that's fine. Maybe it's next week. Maybe it's six weeks. Maybe it's six months. But we're going to keep showing up here. You keep doing the same. And at one point in time, we had a ch- we hope we get a chance to, to meet you where you're at in your journey. Uh, and I know Lon and I will be right here with open arms waiting to welcome you to the Normal 40 family. Until then, everybody have a fantastic uh, rest of your week until we talk to you uh, at another point in time. Uh, again, keep showing up and we will see you on the other side. This has been Normal 40, the podcast.